0: Hello and welcome to this quick fire round of Meet Me at the Museum Mussies, where I've chosen some of my favourite outings and curious encounters from the past eight seasons. So make sure you've got a brew on and get ready to be thoroughly entertained as we delve into a world of music, sport, and even some risque arts in this handy list of museums in the North West. I'm Liza Ward, a broadcast journalist and a proud Mancunian, and nothing makes me happier than putting on a pair of comfy trainers knowing I'm about to spend the day walking around a museum. I just love that feeling of tired satisfaction after a big brain and body workout. But right now you can put your feet up or crank up the volume and find out about the gems the Northwest, my home, has to offer. We'll be rushing through the turnstiles with comedian Tez Ilyaz at the National Football Museum. Oh! Yes, look how much. She's at 2,000, a good score. I got 2,480. Jane Garvey and Fee Glover contemplate nudity in the absurd at the Tate Liverpool. Uh, It's a female, a gorgeous female naked body, with her buttocks uh, facing us. And broadcaster Mark Radcliffe finds out that anything could crop up on the dance floor at the Science and Industry Museum.
1: I'm surprised they didn't have a um, factory catalogue baked potato. (laughs) A catalogue number for the first baked potato.
0: Comedian Russell Kane may have been born and raised in Essex, but I'm really chuffed to say he's now a fellow Northerner. And who can blame him with the incredible museums we have on offer? The Whitworth Art Gallery in Manchester prides itself on being accessible to everyone. And after an award-winning revamp in 2015, it's fair to say that it's not just a welcoming building, but a stunning one. So it's no surprise that Russell decided to take his Auntie Christine there for her first ever trip to a museum. Here they are popping into the Reno exhibit a temporary exhibition dedicated to the legendary Mancunian nightclub, the Reno, which was a Solon funk club in Moss Side.
2: Finally, we're at the Reno exhibition, Christine. It's just through there. Let's walk in. These are all our unearthed artefacts from the torn-down nightclub in the 1970s. Ooh, we, thought, we thought they were lost forever, but they excavated the earth and they found all these interesting objects. Ooh. The Reno Moss Side well, the first thing we're seeing is a video of, of a patch of mud, which is obviously where the nightclub where used to stand. Is, yeah. And right underneath it is a Ooh. glass case with yeah. the, what's left of what must have been one of the fireplaces, some oh, pokers, and look, yeah. some dominoes and dice. It's like two dominoes.
3: The old kind of fire.
2: The coals, uh, are re- the coals are still in the grapevine, like the final there, fire yeah. that burned before it closed. Mm. That's pretty poignant, isn't it?
3: There's a big table here with all old photographs of the club. We're going to have a look at them now.
2: Um, Oh, this is the excavation. This must have been at the point where they decided, let's dig up and see what we find. So these are all the people digging it up. You just wouldn't expect to find anything, would you, after all these years?
3: No,
2: no. Empty purses. Right, there's some old wallets, Christine. Look at that.
3: Oh, look at that. So the people would have took the wallet. On that night.
2: And it's just got lost and it's been and in the mud it's got all got lost.
3: Time. Oh, and a, an old Chris Prackett. Oh, Smith's uh, Chris. Smith's Chris, yeah. I remember those, those and you, you had a little tiny bag of um, salts.
2: And you had to shake your own salts. And salt. shake
3: it, yeah. And you probably Give could have it done it in time, shake, in time to the
2: music while you were dancing to oh, the yeah, ball. Oh, shake, shake
3: yeah, shake him back and da <laughs> Oh, that was hoovering, yeah, yeah. And then the old um, Coke tins, and what's that? Ginger called? beer. Oh, um, the ginger beer, yeah.
2: Imagine how many drinks were out of that, harp, that glass yeah. there.
3: and probably lipstick marks, you know. And this is what they found.
2: Would you have a gin and tiser? Was that a drink back in the day?
3: Well, do you know what you used to have? You used to have a Cherry Bee, a little tiny bottle, and you could get drunk on Cherry Bee, believe it or not, and Baby sham. Cherry Bee was just a little bottle. Of
2: a cherry drink? Would you go out <laughs> dancing or not? drunk on Cherry Bee?
3: You could do, honest to God, yeah.
2: Where did you go out clubbing? Well, to, to I used go out to go... I know you got married very, very young, so but mm. there's only a small window for you going out and partying, but where did
3: you go? We used to go to a place called Browns in Stratford. All Motown soul music. It was lovely. And then they used to do a barn dance, so everybody was all dancing, doing a barn dance. And then a rich rhythm, it was called, and all all 60s music. And you can't beat 60s music now. That is my era, you know? They were the days, you know.
2: We're going to go over now and see Linda Brogan, who's the lady that's actually behind this excavation and driven the energy to make all this stuff be seen. Um, and there's a lot of conversations around this exhibition, around race and class as well. and mm-hmm. you know, There's another aspect we haven't talked about yet, I'm sure we will.
3: Oh, there she is there. Yes.
2: So, I'm you to know, chat to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Linda, I'm going Go to ask you to show us around some of your favourite bits. What's the, some of the favourite things you pulled out of the mud?
4: Oh, come on then. <laughs> <laughs> flares, a pair of green flares. This green is on blair. the first day.
2: Birthday. Oh. Who left without their trousers Ex- from the well, that's, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> No, exactly. Is that,
2: is that part of it? Or is that yeah, ridiculous? no,
3: that's part of it. That's the beer crate.
4: Yeah, because when we'd go in, you'd go down the stairs, turn left, left and the least, first place you go is the toilet, but opposite <laughs> the toilet was a stack of, always a stack of Lee's mm. yellow
2: crates. So at some point, someone left the Reno in, uh, let's without be optimistic, trousers. their underwear. <laughs> I'm starting to not be optimistic about the underwear at this stage. Yeah. I'd love to know the story behind those. Are they men's or women's guys? Women's,
4: garments? women's. Look, the buttons are on that side. Oh, yeah. You will not get a guy that thin either, really. Well, you're
2: talking to the wrong man. I, I'm like a pepper army with hair on, and I'd wear those.
4: <laughs> you can lend them after.
2: So I think what both me and Christine were wondering is, how did the idea occur to you to dig out an old nightclub and get bottles of ties I mean it's utterly brilliant but how did the thought occur to you
4: because it was under there
2: (laughs) (laughs) but is it like because even now I I know Christine and me are different ages but even now if I hear a tune so for example I was a little bit into drum and bass scene and the stuff that came out of the early 90s and all that I get like a a nostalgia feeling like remembering being on the dance floor like trying to recapture that emotion
4: no you get a tingle don't you i'm wondering
2: how much of that was driving you to dig up the mud and get the objects back and you're like oh it's about the history and i want to tell my story but it's a little bit like i want to remember what it's like no i want to go back there
4: there. (laughs) do you know like when i put certain tunes on like last night i was playing tunes in the facebook group to get people in the mood to come and i just want to go there it's like, oh, I want to go there now.
2: So this, is, this club yeah. was actually in the 70s and it came out of that sort of Motown into soul and funk and that, sort of, yes, that, that, yes. that type of music.
0: From the red-brick grandeur of the Whitworth Art Gallery to an iconic glass-panelled landmark, we head northwards to the National Football Museum, also in Manchester. As someone who grew up in the city centre, you couldn't avoid football even if you'd wanted to. I remember going to my first Manchester United match as a 23-year-old. The stadium was buzzing with excitement. And comedian Tez Ilyaz also recalled his younger years when he took his dad, who was once an amateur footballer, to the world's biggest museum dedicated to the game. They explored the building with curator Tim Ashmore, who showed them some sporting treasures... Just make sure you don't get your fingerprints on the trophies, Tez. Hello, nice to
5: meet you. I'm Tim Ashmore, and I'm part of the team that looks after our collections and the exhibitions here at National Football Museum.
3: Awesome. Uh, I'm Tez. This is my dad, Ilias. What what do you want to to show us? This
5: is the oldest surviving FA Cup trophy.
6: Oh, wow.
5: It doesn't look like you'd expect it to, probably, because it's not the same design as the FA Cup today. What it Mm. is, um, this is the original trophy. They used to call it the little tin idol. But Aston Villa won it in the 90s, and they put it on display in a local shop window. A guy that uh, William Shilcock sold um, all equipment for football matches, boots and balls and kits and that kind of thing, and someone broke into the shop overnight and stole the trophy, melted it down presumably, and it's never been seen again. So Aston Villa were fined and forced to create this second version of the cup from a cast of the original. So this is the second one used. The first one's never been seen again. Unfortunately, Blackburn won that first one
4: yeah three times in a row well three times five in times in six years
5: yeah three in a row never um, been done before or since well it was this design that Blackburn would have won back in the 1880s yeah, yeah, um, yeah. before Blackburn Rovers won it Blackburn Olympic won yes. it as well yeah and they won it within five years of founding before that uh, the FA Cup was, was won by uh, old college teams like old Carthusians old Etonians and that kind of thing they were like gentlemen amateurs And when these Blackburn teams...
7: Rough Northerners came down and And showed
5: them what's what. They didn't like it. They looked at Blackburn and said, why are you taking your players out uh, for pre-final training at Blackpool? Surely, if you're our amateurs, which were the rules at the time, your bosses would never have allowed you days off work to go to Blackpool and play football. Yeah, so all the Southern teams and the FA were quite against the idea of these Northern teams that they suspected of paying the players under the counter. And then it slowly changed after that, and it was mainly Northern teams for a long time that were in all these finals. Tim, so why is this exhibition your particular favourite? Part of it is I just... I like the design of Victorian silverware... <laughs> When yeah. it comes to football, I'm pretty much... I'm not sitting at home with like, you know, wine decanters and stuff, admiring them, but it's just with the football aspect of it. it's Also, it's the first ever you know, cup competition made by the first ever football association, and it was the first trophy to be won by Manchester City. It was the first trophy to be won by Manchester United. So this trophy wow. was lifted by legendary players like Billy Meredith uh, back in 1909, Charlie Roberts for United... Um, obviously as a United fan they're big figures in the club they're also big for the PFA they were founder members of the players union and they fought for better rights for players as well shortly after Manchester United mm-hmm. won the trophy in 1909 yeah. the whole team were banned by the FA for being part of a union and they weren't even allowed to go back to the ground that they played at for me that's, that's the small part of the story that, that I know for a lot of fans of other teams they're going to have their own stories associated with it if you're a uh, a Berry fan, you know, Berry won that trophy twice before Manchester United or Manchester City won it. So, you know, th- there's a story for a lot of the, um, the teams that were successful at that time. Because I grew up with a lot
3: of United and Liverpool fans who had present day glory, whereas I had to dig back all the way to
1: the 1800s to relive mine. But I made sure that I could just throw in a bit of trivia now again. I was like, yeah, fine, you really won the Premier League titles, but did you know that Blackburn Rovers won the FA Cup three times in a row in the 1880s? And then that was my contribution.
7: You, you they, they just had a, a, a photo of one of my mates um, it's one of the teams that I used to coach Blackburn United um, what they just has a, a, has
5: a picture of them on that?
7: yeah oh, um, wow. they're, they're, they're just doing local grassroots uh, football and um, they've got photos of all, of all kinds of people somebody who should have retired years ago um, <laughs> about 70 odd there uh, on the, on the right hand side that's, that's oh, yeah, I recognise him. Well. football is a great leveller you know, and it brings a lot of people together. Um, grassroots level is absolutely brilliant, and you know, as somebody who's actually played at grassroots level, refereed, coached, is an absolutely brilliant place to be. And like I said, it's a huge privilege for me to have been involved in it.
1: We're at Football, the Football Plus part of the exhibition now, and I think oh. we're gonna try some stuff out, like volleying and penalties and stuff. Yes, look how much. She said 2000 is a good score. I got 2,480. That is amazing. Get me taking penalties for England in the World Cup. Yeah, but don't worry, quitting while you're ahead. Go on, Dad. Go on, go on Dad. Go on, Dad. Oh, you scored! I thought,
0: nah, Dad, I thought you saved that,
1: but fine.
4: How did I do in terms of how other people get on? You
0: did OK, as I say, 2,000 is a really good score. You got nearly 2,500, so you smashed it.
5: Cheers, mate. That's what I wanted to hear.
4: Yeah, and I think I should stay who <laughs> The goalposts from the old Wembley Stadium before it was re- re- renovated oh, wow. they were the ones that were on the pitch at Euro 96. Wow. Pretty cool when you score the, in there.
3: Yeah. Well, so you're saying that I scored a penalty where
0: David Batty and Southgate missed? Yes, that, exactly, just that. Should have had me there. <laughs> I'm told that Tez is still going on about his penalty to this day. And if you want to find out whether you're worthy of being in the England squad, your National Art Pass gives you free entry to the National Football Museum. But one of the reasons I like football so much is because it's a roller coaster of emotions. One moment you're groaning in your chair, covering your eyes, and the next you're jumping up in joy as your team score. Well, travel down from the M62 from Manchester and you'll end up at the Liverpool Tate where you'll encounter a vast range of emotions there too. From awe to shock, you're guaranteed to be enthralled by their vast collection of artworks. And emotions were certainly running high when presenter Jane Garvey took her friend and colleague, Fee Glover, to the Liverpool Tates.
8: Somebody has just released the velvet rope for us effectively, haven't they?
0: We've been allowed
8: behind one of those... Black swishing lines that really usually inner sanctum. You know, keep people out. But now we're in. We're G- in. We crossed the Rubicon. Okay. Oh, we've walked straight into some naked women. It's a Matisse,
6: the Draped Nude. This is one of a series of four pictures, all the same size, painted in the spring of nineteen thirty six. So it's a woman reclining on a
8: chair, only wearing a rather open kimono.
6: Is that a look that you ever affected? (laughs) Well, it's it's a look I'd very much like to affect. (laughs) I think the cat would be terrified, to be honest, if you saw that.
8: I think mittens would have kittens. (laughs) Jane's cat's called mittens, by the way.
6: What's this part of the museum called? So
8: this particular gallery is called Constellations. So you put one big artwork in the middle and then all of the other pieces slightly play off it. That's very clever. So the star of the show is Max Ernst's Men Shall Know Nothing of This, which is uh, painted in 1923. Interested in the alternative realities experienced by the insane. Mm. So it's almost... uh, uh, Half a body suspended. above an you'd explain. Yeah, obelisk, obelisk with some symmetrical lines connecting but all of the different parts. It and it is strange. And yes, and it's yeah, but it's it's like a uh, it's like a mini explosion of images in your brain, isn't it? It is quite unsettling. I wouldn't want that over the mantle, I've got no, to be honest. I don't think so. No, but it's a talking point, Jane. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, and then all of the other paintings or installations or pieces of art kind of bounce off that as a theme clever very clever
6: just hang on a, my attention is drawn to a big pile of clothes over let's there in the corner let's go and have a look at that
8: look.
6: Um, so we were talking earlier about what kind of art you like yeah. And I'm not sure whether I like this, but I want to know what it's supposed to be. So I'm going to do my, my level best to describe it. We have got a marble figure. Uh, it's a, female, a gorgeous female naked body with her buttocks uh, facing us and her face embedded in a mound of used clothes or a pile of rags. Mm. So the rags are real. The marble is possibly not real marble. I don't know, but um, it is a marble in the classic. yes,
9: yeah,
8: so Greek it is. A, it, it's style. absolutely that kind yes. of classical pose as well, where women are always slightly leaning, aren't they, in in well, the classical world of sculpture.
6: Yes, but she looks as though she's getting a whiff of dirty old clothes.
8: Yeah, but also it looks a little bit like a dump scene, doesn't it, where you've got a whole pile of trash and someone's thrown something more valuable. On top of it, so that is our explanation. Shall we go and read the proper thing? Yeah, let's, let's go and see. Off. Oh, Venus of the Rags. What well, we went well, for. Well done. Well done. And this. What's the name of the artist? Michelangelo Pistoletto. Venus of the Rags appears to bring together an iconic figure of classical culture with the detritus of modern contemporary society. There we are. You see, we were right, pretty much. As the solid Roman goddess props up a randomly formed pile of gaudily coloured second-hand clothes. In fact, this figure is based on a kitsch statue found in a garden centre rather than a genuine antiquity. That's great. Doesn't matter who you are, genuine
6: antiquity or whatever, I still want to go over and touch those buttocks.
8: I want to fold the clothes. Oh, that's the difference between us. It really is. It really is, isn't it? Well, i the interesting one, basically. <laughs> yes, I'm just the domestic humdrum assistant. <laughs> I could tidy that up for you, love. Modern
6: art, there's, there's some things I really admire, and I think there's a lot to admire, but do I love it? I, Bridget Riley is incredibly impressive bounces out at you but do I think I'd like to
8: live with that maybe but in my that, case uh, the answer's no yeah, but isn't the point that uh you can come to a place like this for a couple of hours out of your otherwise extremely busy and uh, sensory overloaded life Life, yeah and you can stand in front of something and think whatever that particular piece of art makes you think at that given time. So that's the thing that I like mm. about modern art is that you don't, for me anyway, I don't have to know any of the background to it and what it's meant to signify and what school it was part of and the time of which it was made and the influence that it then has. i I'm, that's not why I would want to go and look at art. That's, just me mm. but I like that sensation that when I'm standing in front of it it might just make me think something it's just a little moment where you go mm. okay good but, point yes but
6: I, mean, I just don't see how you can compare that to a wonderful portrait of somebody
8: but I suppose you of don't course you can't can yeah, you? And look, you don't have to no it's not asking
0: the same things no. of you I don't know about you but I have a lot of images running through my mind after that and if you want to be pleasantly disturbed, the National Art Pass gives you 50% off entry to the exhibitions at Tate Liverpool. Now, aside from its art scene, the Northwest is also known for its rich industrial history, being at the heart of the start of the Industrial Revolution. And nowhere showcases that better than the Science and Industry Museum in Manchester. Set a stone's throw from the River Irwell, where the city's many factories once let their waste flow, I'm happy to say the museum buildings have been restored to their original Victorian splendour, but without the pollution and dense smog. We join broadcaster and musician Mark Radcliffe and his bandmate Paul Langley as they reminisce about their heady nights at the Hacienda, the legendary Manchester nightclub.
1: So we've come to the nine TV screens that greet people as they enter the exhibition. We're uh, meeting Theresa. Hey, Theresa.
9: Hi, lovely to meet you both.
1: Nice to see you too. So um, who are you and what do you do here?
9: <laughs> uh, my name's Theresa McCauley. I'm an exhibition project manager at the museum and I uh, helped create the exhibition.
1: Right, yeah. yeah. Well, it looks amazing from what we've seen so far. Thank you so, so much. So well done.
9: <laughs> So the exhibition kind of covers everything that came before, the Hacienda, um, but Ben Kelly, who uh, designed the Hacienda, uh, was the designer for the exhibition, so that was very exciting for us to work with him, and of course we wanted to get that in here, and he's designed the space as you exit the exhibition to look... Like the Hacienda. So I think if you weren't there, it's a very beautiful space. But if you were there, it's probably quite evocative. Well,
1: I mean, the immediate thing that strikes you is these kind of black and white pillars. Like, what would you call these, bollards? Bollards, bollards yeah. yeah. Bollards, you know. In fact, the building, Paul, as we say, the the, the the building, the sort of fabric of the building, the girders, that does lend to the effect of recreating the Hacienda a bit, doesn't it? It does. It's... Uh... It's pretty cold as well, you know? <laughs> so it's got everything—a 4D exhibition. You've got—we have say. got four layers on, haven't we? <laughs> but we've got the big girders of the of the structure of the of the warehouse where the Science and Industry Museum is located. We've also got. Um, um, I would call these lights pie cannons. Before it all went LED, they were yeah. like these old... That's were, what they are, yeah. Is it Park pie cannons. Yeah,
9: authentic. They're, they're,
1: right, they are. They're, if you were performing under those, they were really hot, <laughs> which in the hacienda was welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and then along one side, we've got a sort of raised area, which is like you're stepping onto the dance floor. There's black and white bollards and black and yellow chevrons running down the bottom of it and, yeah. and, and mirrors in the background. Of course, to recreate the hacienda... You need a huge... It was gigantic, wasn't it?
9: Yeah. We didn't have that much space, No, no. I mean, it
1: was a really massive cavernous space with a balcony, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. There used to be a uh, little bar downstairs called the Gay Traitor Bar. Oh, yeah. Kim Philby. Kim Philby. And the early days when I went, because it was so empty, it was so cold, the drinks were so expensive and the sound was so bad, um, and this was way before it became the celebrated dance floor experience. And quite often we'd all just go down there and sort of huddle together for warmth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in fact, I recorded a programme down in the Gay Traitor um, about uh, Manchester Music. It was called Third Summer because it was people were talking about the third summer of love at uh, that yes. time, which Tony Wilson presented. And so I was producing that in the Gay Traitor bar <laughs> at the, at the hacienda. So we were the, the, these bollards, sort of things. They were they were were they on the edge of the dance floor? On the edge of the, the dance floor. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember getting my hair cut in the hacienda.
9: Really? You get, they had, they
1: had a hairdresser in there? Andrew they, Berry was it? Andrew Berry. Oh, there you was go. Was the hairdresser? he Was a big believe. mate of Johnny Mars.
9: I believe there was a cafe, or like a cafe in there, like a little food Suzanne area. Robinson,
1: who I'm good friends with on Facebook. Yeah, and you could get yeah. yourself
9: a baked potato while you were dancing you can
1: the be. night away. Is that? You can Honestly, <laughs> baked I, potato. I don't remember that. I think that must have come later. When I went down there, I remember going and seeing Sandy Shore there, and it was freezing cold and the sound was terrible. A baked potato would have improved my evening so <laughs> much. <laughs> that would have been incredible. Why don't more clubs do baked potatoes? Oh, I
9: don't know. It sounds That's wonderful, insane, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> I might still. be. Going out, no, no, get Absolutely. a
1: baked potato. Yeah, that would be lovely. I'm surprised they didn't have a um, factory catalog baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> a catalog number for the first baked potato. Probably so, wouldn't have dated well, but, but, yeah. Yeah. but no, it is it, it is evocative. It does it does bring back memories. It's it so does. well done. Computer age, it says over there, 1948. So um, um, should we wander over yeah, and uh, meet to. these guys? Who I think are. Uh, are, are, are volunteers and they can show us how this operates. Then yeah. we meet uh, Anthony and Tim. Guys, you're, you're standing in front of um, a bewildering array of racks of equipment. What is it? It's a computer. Right. It's a working replica that's running
7: a program as we speak, uh, and it's a working replica of. What you, we often call the world's first proper computer. Right. But specifically, the world's first stored programme computer. Right. And that phrase means it's the world's first machine to work the way all computers have worked since. Right. So the, the machine you have in your pocket, your smartphone, your PC, your desktop, they all work following this principle.
1: Was this called Baby? Yes.
7: yes. That was, it was kind of its nickname. Its full name was the Small Scale Experimental machine Uh, and baby is a lot easier to say really
1: right yeah (laughs) and um, and was this invented was this created in manchester it was yes yeah so who did it uh professors
7: uh williams and kilburn at manchester university um and they developed this um, after the war it was developed because they had an idea about how you could store electronic data using one of those glowing green cathode ray tubes yeah um and they demonstrated it would do that but To be uh, credible, they really needed a computer to put it into to demonstrate it would work in a computer. And they didn't have one, so they built this. So guys, can we see it running? Yes, absolutely. We'll uh, boot it up for you. Brilliant. And we can run the very first program they ever wrote for it, which we have. Yeah. Which is what? Which is a program to calculate the highest factor of a number. Okay. And this was the first program they ever wrote, and the first program that ran successfully on June the 21st, 1948, Right. which said the machine works. And the machine has a facility to make a noise. Good. It was actually a useful feature back in the day, and we turned it on. So I'm going to run this program now. Right. And it takes about 30 seconds, and the answer we're looking for is 43. Okay and the programme has a characteristic noise, which you will hear now.
1: Sample that, Paul. Autobahn. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is fantastic. It sounds
7: a little bit like craftwork.
1: It sounds like Autobahn. I was just saying craftwork. we should sample that. We need to. You need to record that on your phone and put it in a track, that.
0: and so ends our speedy whip through some of my must-see museums of the northwest with me liza ward and the meet me at the museum archive and don't forget with the national art pass you can get free or reduced entry to lots of museums and art galleries across the uk and discounts in museum gift shops too are you ready to plan your next museum outing? Come on, go to www.artfund.org forward slash explore. I can't wait to bump into you at a museum where I hope you two will be wearing your comfiest shoes for a long day of exploring. And as my mum says, Ta ra!